What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right, and this week we'll be talking about D&D kids books and actually playing D&D with kids, as well as listen, uh, not listening, as well as answering some listener questions at the end. Allie, how are your games this week? Oh, they've been very interesting. Um, we did a game last night. Uh, it was my boyfriend's lovely birthday. and Your lovely boyfriend's birthday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a lovely birthday as well. Um, we actually, I literally only rolled a dice maybe once. Oh, and I love those sessions. It was to gamble. <laughs> it was a literal roll of luck dice situation. We, we created an in-game gambling game. We call it Uno because you want to get rid of as many things as want. And you can also make other people roll more dice. It's it's a fun little neat game. I might post it somewhere at some point. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> but uh, it essentially it was the the uh, you know a night in the Seven Kingdoms where it was like oh this is the yeah, the yeah, night yeah. before we go do the battle. Well, they're gonna go fight the big bad evil person oh. <laughs> for Tomb of, for Storm King's Thunder next session. Finally, and, <laughs> I feel like you talked about that well on episode one. <laughs> I know, and this is this was kind of their night mm -hmm. to relax and just kind of talk with each other it was also halloween technically in game so that was fun nice um and then i was a player in my game on sunday and that was something else you were a player <laughs> yeah uh, you know uh the emoji challenge the yeah. four emojis yeah <laughs> who's uh, dming uh my friend adam oh okay yeah and that was uh that was really fun it was it's a homebrew campaign Oh, okay. I thought I thought that you were, he was taking over your Tomb of Annihilation game. No, me. no. We we swap every other week. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that was a load of fun. We uh, I, my character helped another character get laid. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just a lot of fun this week. <laughs> Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, my end. They're they they're in Chult, so we we, we got that. We're we're there. <laughs> we're still there. Um. Oh, okay. So they decided to go looking for information in Port Nine Zaru. Uh huh. And crazy things end up happening. Um, the, we we now have the introduction of a new canon character called the Techno Dwarf. I saw that. Yeah, on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Because uh, I asked Kyle what music was getting played while he was dancing, and he said <laughs> uh, uh, "Sandstorm." Beautiful. So then we actually had that there were four bards playing Sandstorm out of sync, <laughs> and then he and the dwarf were like rave dancing like the Techno Viking, and then. Techno Dwarf came out of that. Beautiful. Um, yep. And uh, then we got to do a dinosaur race. Oh, awesome. I finally got to do a dinosaur race. I still, I still want to ask you how you do that because it, I just... It, it was really fun because um, the, all the dinosaurs have a listed speed. Mm -hmm. And you can either choose to do the normal speed or push to go for the extra speed. Yeah. We ran it a little wrong, I realized afterwards, but it still worked. Um, like, if you go for the extra speed, you roll with advantage. But if you fail the dinosaur has to make a check and some dinosaurs uh, will either just move their half speed for the rest of the uh, the, the game or uh, they will go out of control and you're out of the race. Yeah. Um, so then after you add up those numbers, whoever gets to 300 first wins. 
And then if they get there at the same time, whoever has the highest wins. Okay. Because, like, every time I read that, and I even tried that, like, just briefly, mm. it kind of ended up feeling more like a number crunchy, just fun side game. Well, the, the, the really important thing was there's no turns. Everyone rolls at once. Yeah. And so then it got, because, like, I was giving it flavor. It's like, all right, you guys are going around a corner now, and you're holding on real tight. And so, like, when I tell them what, I wouldn't tell them what their number was. I'd be like, all right, uh, <laughs> um, uh, Tara was running, nasty boy. <laughs> all right, nasty boy is coming around the bend. <laughs> and uh, so it, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed oh, that's cool. doing that one. Um. But uh, but yeah, other than that, that that that's that's all I got for my anything new with you besides that. You guys no, your games? yeah, that was my games this week. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on to some news. Um, so first off, um, Comic Con is happening right yeah, now. Literally, San Diego. You're, yeah, you're listening to this <laughs> on the Friday it releases. Comic Con is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it is packed. It is packed. Uh, we're recording on the day before you're listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit behind the curtain thing, and yeah, it is. It is busting up down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people, and but the there's also a lot of D and D stuff going on down there. Yeah, a surprising uh, amount more so than the past years. Yeah, I remember going back in 2011, and there was nothing. None. I was like, oh, I'm so ready to. I'm into D and D now. I'm gonna go to comic. There's dice, I guess. Cool. I got I got dice. <laughs> about anything no? no so the fact that like death saves is there and wizards of the coast themselves yeah, is there. And Geek and sundry's for... got a big booth about it too huge yeah so this is a good year for D and comic-con so if you're there hunt that down mm-hmm. maybe get in touch with me on twitter and get me some stuff <laughs> same you're my buddy you're my friend <laughs> you're, my, you're my pal um the next piece of news is uh, D&D Beyond had an announcement today. Yes. Uh, which you told me about literally before we recorded this. Yeah. And I'm so sad I didn't see it. Yeah, no, it's very awesome. They said, we're pleased to announce a change to campaign content sharing, which is great for both people like you and me, mm-hmm. where we do share. But for someone who runs multiple games, that can be tricky because the 12 active character limit, they are saying, has mm-hmm. been replaced by a 12 active player limit. Yeah. Have up to 12 active players with up to 99 characters in your campaign. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. And it's just going to make it so much better for a DM who is running multiple games to be able to just do whatever they need to do. Yeah. Like, it's still got the three campaign limit on it, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Yeah. Uh, But the fact that now, you know, you can... Because now I wouldn't have had to have switched the... um, The... What am I thinking of? Oh, I had to do a new campaign in D&D Beyond to start the same group yeah. in the new adventure because they need to make new characters. And I had so many in there from NPCs and stuff that we had to do that. Now we could have just kept using that same one. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. And uh, I'm, I'm, I love that D&D Beyond is still changing things like that. Yeah, They're still too. listening to people. Definitely. Uh, last one, uh, Idle Champions removes Diath. <laughs> Yes. So if uh, if you're privy to any of the drama that happened recently with the guy that played Diath on Dice Camera Action, uh, they've removed him. And a uh, little, little bit of a... I mean, I'll just say, I think it's a smart move for like game company like this, especially one that is kind of like, you know, it's a kid's game. It's, it is. It's good for them to just kind of remove themselves yeah. from that entire situation, regardless of what's happening, yeah. really. And, and I'll say this, if you don't know what's going on with it, maybe don't worry about it. Yeah. It's a lot of drama, just know that, and he was removed. 
Uh, he's been replaced by a uh, an original character from the creators of Idol Champions named Xander. Uh, and basically the exact same stats and everything just doesn't have the waffle crew buff, which sucks. But, um, I, 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 yeah, I think that was kind of a good call. Like, it's a good call. Yeah. yeah. Um, next let's move on into dungeon keeping. Um, I just, we, we just, we want to thank everybody that's been writing in and following us on Twitter and whatnot and also leaving reviews. Like yeah. we have reviews now on iTunes and I'm astounded every time I see one. <laughs> like even if you're not writing in the fact that that number keeps going up for yeah. how many reviews I'm uh, over the moon about. Oh, it just warms my heart. It does. <laughs> it really does. And like, um, we, we've had a lot more listener mail than I had when I was doing dungeon driver. So I, we're, we're, I just, I'm so appreciative of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's great. It's just all wonderful community. It and makes, I love it. Makes me feel warm and tingly. <laughs> <laughs> so again thank you uh but let's go on to our first topic yeah so um one of the cool things that wizards of the coast has been doing uh is making like directing D towards kids yeah and like i know that like especially during like the 70s and 80s it's like it's a kids game it's not really anymore. Like, it isn't everyone's game. Like, this game is yeah. now E for everyone. I mean, like, especially considering that those kids that were in the 70s and 80s and 90s grew up. Yeah. And so D&D has kind of shifted towards no longer kids. It's yeah. seen and, much more as an adult thing. And definitely, like, some of the books and stuff, especially during, like, third edition, got very adult-oriented. Yeah. And, like, there's several times that I've opened up a book and been like, I never want my kid... To, uh, I don't no. have one yet, just as a, a clarification... <laughs> Uh, I don't ever want my future kid to, like, open this book and, like, oh, now I've got nightmares. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they've got books now that are directed towards kids to get them into this yeah. is so cool. Um, so th this really started with um, this first book I got here, the D&D uh, Dungeonology. Now, the ology books, there are a ton of them. And they're, like, really cool classic books that are awesome, pop-out stuff. And, like, there's dragonology, wizardology, Egyptology, probably my favorite. And they're just, they're so neat and interactive. And as a kid, just looking into them, even if you're not really the reading type, this gets you into reading a book. And this one, dungeonology, is everything D&D. It's, like, straight up the player's handbook. And I think... This book actually came out around the time that Storm King's Thunder came out because they literally used the same maps and art from that book. I believe so. 2016, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at that huge fold-out map that's in there, yeah. it's the exact same map. And it even has, like, Maelstrom. It has, like, e like Emrith Lair. It has, like, everything oh, yeah, on yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. that is the same well, map in uh, there. Not, not going to say it on the air, but it's also got that pictured on it. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty big. <laughs> it's got, like, huge, well, semi-spoilers of Storm King's Thunder. But if you didn't know it, then it wouldn't really matter to you. Yeah. It's just such cool, like, oh, high fantasy things that are in this book. Yeah. And, like, the other thing that I love is that it is presented as in-world, like, this is supposed to be written by Volo. Yeah. Uh, like, Volo literally has, like, a thing at the beginning. It's like, hey, I'm Volo. This is why you should care about me. Mm -hmm. And it's full of maps and pictures and, like, in-world information. Yeah. And a bunch of stuff that you can take out of the book, which I love. Like, in the back of this, there is literally a little floppy Volo's Guide to the, the Forgotten, Forgotten Realms. Realms. And it I has completely a... forgot about that. That would be so cool to hand to players. Yeah, and, and this has got, and this is, looks very third edition. Yeah. Like, I remember there being a Forgotten Realms book with that, that symbol on it. 
And so just having all of this stuff in here for a kid to, like, dive into. Oh, my gosh. It's so cool. And, it, like, just the hands-on features. Like, we talked briefly yeah. about props before in this show. But, like, Tara especially, she's a huge component for, for doing props. Mm-hmm. This book is basically just a huge prop. It is. It is. More so than uh, uh, Volo's Guide. Yeah, Volo's it, Guide is kind of like the, the textbook version of it. Yeah. Well, well the, like, the thing is, like, Volo's Guide is a, a book in world. And, yeah. And, like, I've let my players buy it. Yeah. But I don't let them have the book because I'm like, I'm not letting you look at stats. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, the only thing I've done is, like, well, you see these, like, beginning chapters that are about, like, oh, here's the mm-hmm. history of these creatures. You totally know that, and that's in the book, but not necessarily the, the monster stat blocks. That's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it just, it goes over so many things, and, like, this, th- there's a whole thing on magic items. There's a novice spell book stuck in here that you can little flip through and see some, like, first-level mm-hmm. spells. And it's such a neat way to just almost introduce someone who's interested in, like, role-playing games to D&D and like specifically the D&D lore itself well like and I I can understand not doing it if you're all into homebrew yeah because this isn't the thing that I'm gonna emphasize here at the beginning is that these are not meant as get into RPGs yeah this is get into the world of Dungeons and Dragons D&D itself but in them doing that they're also like using game terminology in subtle ways and also like making you think about stuff like down here this is the equipment section and there is a little thing down here about coins and money and how it works that's so neat (laughs) and it's just like how the the handbook would be laid out so that's a clever way of just getting the kids into that looking at it in that way Mm mm-hmm um, like I, I was playing a movie on the next book, but I'm just I keep looking at it. Like Tiamat's in there. <laughs> and it's such a, it's a really pretty book too. It, I will say I I don't quite like the cover. I wish it, it wasn't an Ithalid, but yeah. It, well, it also just kind of gets lost in all the shininess of it. Yeah. Uh, but once you get inside of it, it's it's so perfect. I love it. It's even got a little letter in here. I don't even know if I read that. <laughs> um, Seal of the broken. <laughs> the uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, so the next one I want to talk about is the Endless Quest books. So cool. <laughs> um, now, if you remember, uh, maybe even younger, there were the Choose Your Own Adventure books, mm-hmm. the like the Danger House and stuff like goosebumps that. Goosebumps, too. Yeah, yeah, Goosebumps. Oh, yeah. What, God, what were those called? The... Uh, give Yourself Goosebumps or something like yeah. that? Or Extreme? I can't remember. It was some extra little thing. Um, and But back in the day, they also had an endless quest line in the 80s for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. And so it's now been brought back uh, with uh, you assuming a class. Like, each book on the front has got, like, you're a rogue, you're the cleric, and they send you on a choose-your-own-adventure quest. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I love the most about them is that each one of these is one of the pre-written adventures. See, and that's awesome, because I remember you got me the cleric one for Christmas, and I read through that on Christmas Day. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I straight up, right. I was like, "I'm finding him. I'm looking for Artist Simber." And he's like, "I found." It was it was such an exciting adventure. <laughs> yeah, and they like my uh, Tara read one of them, and she was disappointed. So I'll give I'll give this disclaimer, this review from Tara. Um, it has, I think it's this one. It has a uh, female halfling on it, but it refers to you as a 
he or him in it. Really? And so it doesn't really leave it gender neutral, which is weird Yeah. for a choose-your-own-adventure book. Like, I know they do that in older ones, but, you know, it's 2019 now. Like, boys and girls both read these. And they is an appropriate pronoun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a little disappointing. But they, besides that, they are very well written and they have a lot of good artwork in it, regardless of them being just, you know, reused from other books. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, they're they're really fun. I, I got two of them for my nephews um, and they loved them. Yeah. And I was kind of worried because I got them the, the Chult one and oh. there's like a really <laughs> nasty zombie in there. I was kind of worried their mom was going to be like, what did you give my kids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so right now they have To Catch a Thief, which is a rogue, and that's Dragon Heist. Oh, okay. Uh, they have Into the Jungle, which is the cleric, and that is uh, Tomb Annihilation. Uh, they have You Are a Fighter, Escape from the Underdark, which is Out of the Abyss. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Big Trouble, where you are a wizard, and that is Storm King's Thunder. Oh, wow. But there are two more coming out in September. Uh, that one is going to be your cleric escape from Castle Ravenloft. I don't wow. think I have to tell you what that one is. <laughs> oh and I'm going to buy that day one. Yeah. Uh, the next one is your rogue, the Mad Mage's uh, Academy. So that one's going to be Mad Mage's Dungeon. Oh, that's so neat. Yeah. So, like, even if <laughs> like even if you don't have kids or something, I actually recommend picking these up. These are, like, what, nine bucks, and they're little things, and you can read them a couple times through and get different endings. They're a lot of D&D. Fun. Yeah, and plus, if you just like collecting stuff, this is a really neat little collection. That is true. It is. It is a like like they're very small. Yeah. Then you just set them up on your shelves. Mm-hmm. Nobody will know you're reading kids' books. <laughs> <laughs> I read kids' books. Whatever. Yeah. Um. Okay. The next one I want to talk about is actually the most recent one. Uh, in fact, I believe it came out this week. It did. It, like the day before yesterday. Yeah. Um. <laughs> they are the Young Adventurers Guides. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, these got announced at uh, the Descent uh, event mm-hmm. earlier this year. And the moment I heard about them, I thought they were an amazing idea. Um, at first, I thought they were going to be the player's handbook and monster manual. And, like, but just condensed. But condensed and like just aimed at kids. No, this is just like in-world stuff. Of, Almost a rework. <laughs> yeah, of like teaching you that stuff. Like the opening part of, uh, so this book is Warriors and Weapons. Mm-hmm. And it opens up with, here's the races. Uh, but actually what you, you were talking about even like that, before that. Straight up that, that introduction. Was the introduction. Uh, here, you, 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 you read that like one. Straight, like straight, okay. So just reading it straight from the book. This is a fantasy story. You are the main character. Who are you? What do you do? That's like the first four lines of this introduction. And that's just like the quintessential <laughs> D&D experience right there. It does make me think of uh, Skyrim. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, then it moves on to the races. And it has all of the playable races in here. Even a well, turtle. Okay. Doesn't have a furball. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's got human, dwarf, elf, gnome, halfling, half-orc, ha- uh, half-elf, dragonborn, kenku, tabaxi, Tifling, Tiefling, uh, and Tortle. <laughs> and then it just goes into each one of them talking about, like, like here, the human one. Do you long to make your mark on the world? Do you live in the moment yet plan for the future? Are you brave and ambitious? You, yes, you might be a human. And then it does that for each one of these classes, or classes, these races. And down here at the bottom, it has, like, attributes. So this is actually the mechanic stuff. And that's neat. But it's not giving the kids numbers and game rules. It's like 
this is why they are this is why they have this. Yeah. So when they look at a player's handbook, they're gonna understand like, oh, oh this is I, I know about this. This yeah. is because of that. And then after that it goes into classes. And uh re- real quick before I go into that, these books are full of brand new art. Oh yeah, I was flipping through them. Brand new art I've never seen before. Every piece of artwork in this book is brand new. They Which is so cool. Yeah, um, from what I from what I remember them talking about at Descent, um, they went to one of their art companies and was like, "Hey, how much new art could we get?" And they went, "What if we just did all of it?" And they went, "Oh yes. yeah!" So I think <laughs> there's seventy pieces total of new artwork across oh, these books. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, like, because we were just talking about that where. They've, in recent books, they've been kind of almost reusing the same yeah. artwork. Like, especially with the Essentials Kit. I was looking through the the bound, the really nicely bound, mm-hmm. like, uh, pretty much Essentials. Like, oh, this is the rules. Yeah. They use the same artwork except for a few new pieces. But, like, oh, yeah, that's the that's the fighter. Yeah, that's the bard. It's like, you recognize these artworks from the Player's Handbook or from the DMG. Mm-hmm. But this one all brand new and it's yeah. so cool to look and, at and the the style of it is really neat yeah um i i would if you're not interested in getting a kid's book if that's not your thing i at least go look at this book in the bookstore and just thumb through it because it is so good i yeah. freaking love it not to mention the books themselves look just hearty yeah because like, they're hard covers mm-hmm. yeah that was the like the other one like the dungeonology is it's hardcover, but it's also kind of flimsy. And the Endless Quests are, you know, paperback. But these are, like, nice hardcover books. Yeah. And it's almost like, here's your uh, small version of your own player's handbook. As yeah. opposed to, like, here's just a leaflet that you can pull through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so a- after they do races, they go into the classes. And they got Barbarian, Fighter, Monk, Paladin, Ranger, and Rogue. Um, and it's just, like, pretty much martial classes at this point. Yes. Um, Well, we'll get into why they they Mm -hmm. did that in a little bit. Um, So they don't quite go into... Well, I guess... No, they kind of do. I was going to say they don't go into the the subclasses, but they actually do. Uh, Martial archetypes for fighter, battle master, champion, eldritch knight. Wow. So it does cover briefly all of those things. But the thing that I really love is that after each class... It has an in-world legendary hero. So cool. As the example, like yeah. after the fighter, they have Brunor. Um, after, and I don't know this one, but after the paladin, they have this dragonborn named Red Clay. And I need to know about her because she looks fierce. She's so cool. <laughs> she looks so fierce. Yeah. Um, and Minsk is in there. Minsk, Minsk, boo, yes. <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, I... I and they even have a little thing about Boo down here. Oh, see, that's so neat. Uh, and I love that they kind of leave it ambiguous about if he's a miniature giant space hamster. <laughs> They're like, he just calls him that, but is he? <laughs> um, so the, the, we're, we're going to have a little fun here real quick. They have a class flow chart. Wonderful. So we're, 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 I'm going I'm to read these out to Allie and we're going to see what class she gets. I've never seen this before. Never seen it. <laughs> Uh, do you prefer life in the city or would you live outdoors in the wild? Hmm. I would, I'd live outdoors. Okay. Do you see yourself as, uh, someone angry in battle or more calm? <laughs> I'm, I'm more calm for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you enjoy being, uh, in nature with animals or do you prefer to be alone with your thoughts? Hmm. Do like dogs. I'm gonna go with animals. <laughs> All right, you might be a good ranger. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's not even very long. Like it's no. not a, it's not a big flowchart or but anything that's like that. Perfect for kids. But it's it is really good. And 
I, I like that they have, like, <laughs> different ways to getting to some of them. Like, <laughs> there's two ways to get to a ranger, but one way to get to an old barbarian. And I'll tell you those, the three answers are outdoors, anger, and assault. <laughs> are you going to go assault someone? You're probably a barbarian. <laughs> Um, That's perfect for kids, though, because it's like they oftentimes have a lot of trouble focusing in on what they want. Yes. They just have this grand idea of like, ooh, I want to play this cool game, but they don't understand that in order to play it, you kind of need to narrow it down to a couple things. And flowcharts like that can easily help a kid. Yeah. Um, the, the sections after this, I will say are not as strong as the opening part. Mm -hmm. Like we go into backgrounds and inspiration, but the backgrounds are just two pages. Oh, and it's just like a brief paragraph about each background, and it's only the player's handbook backgrounds. Okay. So there's none of the none of the other ones. Oh, that's, that's a tad disappointing. A little bit. Um, and then there's like details and what makes you special. So this is like saying like, hey, this is it's a, it literally has like name, height, weight. So it's getting them thinking about okay. writing that down on their character sheet. Yeah, because I mean, funny enough. That's oftentimes what a lot of players that I know skip immediately. Yes. They don't bother with that. I can't tell you how many players get to a table and they go, what's your name? And they go, oh. Yeah. It's like the first thing, like, well, describe yourself as you're walking in. They're like, um, well, I'm a fighter. I'm yeah, a but man. You're a fighter, but what do you, like, look like? <laughs> and they're like, um, tall, I guess? <laughs> uh, a tree. I look like a tree. <laughs> Bark and all. Um, and then after that, it just kind of goes into equipment. And it has some, like, brief explanation of padded armor and mm-hmm. medium armor. And, so, and it's kind of, it kind of loses a little bit, like, at least in this book, it loses its luster. Because it starts getting into, like, the technicalities. But, but it does talk about a rust monster here at the end. Just kind of randomly. <laughs> yeah, which isn't even in the other book. But I kind of love it. Because, like, rust monsters, they're mean. They'll <laughs> eat your gear. Um... And then the Monsters and Creatures book. This book, I could not stop looking at. It looked so cool. And, like, the amount of monsters in there is actually pretty cool, too. Yeah. they So they, they separate uh, the monsters by like, um, location, like, mm-hmm. where you would find them. Like, the open one is, like, caves and stuff. And the uh, caves, caverns, and dark places. Yeah. <laughs> and the first one is Beholder. Beholder. What an opening act. God, I, I freaking love it. <laughs> and, and again, artwork looks so good. And then I just love, like, all the little side notes, too. Like, they, they number all the eye stalks, right? And, like, there's, the, the of course, the death ray. And under it just says, yikes! <laughs> 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 it's just, like, it's such a cute little, like, just glance into what D&D monsters yes. actually are. And each one of them at the next to their name is rated. Now, in the monster manual, you know, they have CR or they're just challenge ratings. Yeah. And um, they, you know, they range from like, I, I believe it's uh, four party members of that numbered level yes. would be able to handle it. Whereas here, instead of getting into any of that, they just number it from zero to five and then epic if it is a big problem. <laughs> And it's just supposed to be like, these are quick ways to tell you, like, this is scary. Mm-hmm. Like, a beholder is a four. Yeah, a four out of five. That's yeah. a pretty Bugbear, one. Yep. Manageable. Flump, zero. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you listen to them, you little boy. <laughs> and, like, uh, it's what's interesting, though, is that they still keep the concept of fractioned ratings, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like you'd have the flump of zero, but then you throw in, like, I think they have a bandit in there, too. And it's like, oh, it's still a one-eighth. Yeah. Like, that's a little odd that they have the system set up, but they still have the fractioned, like, Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> you just, just gotta like, know about fractions. It's, I know it's a little thing, but if they're simplifying it that much, it's like, why did they keep up with the with that part mm-hmm. of it? I get that. <laughs> um, but they, in some of them, so like they have the, oh god, how do you say the, the my, myconid? My, my, mycinids. Mycinids, yeah, sure. The, mush, the mushroom. Mushroom people. Uh, after it talks about them, it actually goes into like what a colony of those Oh, that's neat. Is about and yeah. like what uh, it, those are labeled as encounters. Oh, okay. Um, and then like they got, they got the demogorgon. That's cool. Again, new art looks awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have a lot of cool stuff in here. They have every type of giant. They have like some legendary giants. Uh, they go into vampires and they got my boy Strahd in here, which always makes me happy. Oh, that's look, that's cool. Look, look at that new Strahd artwork. Wow, I know that this is, is great for a podcast. Really pretty. So majestic. <laughs> Um, and like they go over like his lair and stuff like that so it's getting kids not just knowing these iconic monsters but it's getting them to know these iconic characters too yeah Uh, at the very back of the book they have they actually do have Tiamat oh really yeah oh wow just there in her angry glory yeah she is an angry dragon yeah and so like it, (laughs) it talks about all those and I just I love these and I think these are a great way to get kids into D&D. Yeah. Not specifically role-playing games, but I think if it, like if a kid is like you've been playing it and they've shown no interest in it, get them one of these books and see how they what they think about the world. It's much more approachable to flip through and look at and get interested in than a straight up player's handbook. Yes. Especially for a kid that is only like 11 or so. If you just hand them like one of these books like and they flip through it and they're like, "Oh, this is looks really cool." And they can actually read it. It's mm-hmm. very accessible for them to read and understand as opposed to the player's handbook, which does come with a lot of technicality about it, does. it because hey, you're trying to play an actual game. This one, I wouldn't say tells you how to play the game, but it definitely gets you into wanting to know how. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you this. If I had seen these books when I was a kid, I would have been obsessed. 100%. Oh, my God. Yeah. If, I, if I'd seen this Monsters and Creatures book at, at, uh, at the bookstore... Oh my! You couldn't have stopped me. Yeah. I, I would have bought. I would have begged for every D and D book, <laughs> and I would have had no friends to play it with. I would have just been sitting in my room, just like I will be a great dungeon master. Wait, no, that was still me at twenty one. <laughs> I will be a great dungeon master one day. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, like, so the the, the relevance that's kind of nice is uh, my nephews are coming down. Yeah. And this big pile of books, I'm actually going to be giving to them. That's going to be great. Because I'm going to run their first D&D game for them this coming week. Yeah. Um, I, I ran another RPG for them a long time ago, and they really loved it. So I went, cool, remember this. You're going to like this in a few <laughs> years. Um, yeah, for sure. So... I, I'm I'm going to be able to see firsthand if these books do the trick I think they're going to. I think so, too. Yeah. I, I already, like I said, I already got them some Endless Quest books, uh, but I think this is, this like, is really going to do Endless it. Quest is really great, especially for young readers who are just, get them into the, the feel of that high fantasy, mm-hmm. get them into the theme that D&D really is, especially like written campaigns, too. Mm-hmm. Like, because the Endless Quest books really are a great introduction into how D&D feels, which is tough, because if they've only ever come from like a watching Lord of the Rings or something like that. It's 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 the same, but different. And that's why I like the Endless Quest books for that. Not necessarily because they're, you know, amazing, amazing books to read, but yeah. because they do really get you into that feel of how D&D feels. Yes. Um, I agree wholeheartedly on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, but that that's that's all I got to talk about on that one. But hey, that's a great segue into it, our it is. DMs Guild Spotlight of the Week. Uh, yeah, the, the DMs Guild Spotlight is going to be a little bit different uh, mm-hmm. this week. Uh, if you haven't gone to DMs Guild uh, or know a lot about it, it's actually owned by a company called Drive Through RPG. Yes. Which I love. They were the first ones to be like, we're going to get all the PDFs you want. Um, and on uh, Drive Through RPG, they have a game called Hero Kids. Yes. It's and awesome. <laughs> this was the game that I ran with my nephews before, and they loved it. They mm-hmm. absolutely loved it, and the system of it is so simple, um, and yet still engaging enough to get not just you know you know Tar and I into it, but the kids too. Yeah. Um, and it all runs on d sixes, and they even say to like have the little pips still on them so the kids can count them, as opposed to just like reading it. Yeah, and that's kind of what we were talking about with like the monsters and creatures books too, is like, and the warriors and weapons books too. It's like. The accessibility. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that it's just D6s. Yeah. And that, that makes it so much easier for kids. So that way they don't have to look at the eight different dice they can roll and figure out which they have to do. Yep. I mean, even still, like, at the bookstore, when I have new people come around, it doesn't matter what age they are, I say, roll a D20, and they go, what shape is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly. I, I can just tell the kids to, like, all right, roll two of those. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay. And they just throw them on the table, and they go yeah. everywhere. Because in reality, the kids are there just to have fun and go through this cool experience mm-hmm. of being able to tell this story or go through a story that you have set up for them. And they're not really there for all the math. I mean, unless you have a kid that is, that's cool. But maybe if they are there for the math, you can maybe go on to a different game with them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and one of my absolute favorite things about it is uh, they have so much stuff for it. That is really cheap. Uh, you can actually do, uh, I think you can do like $15 or something and you get the core rules and all of the current wow. adventures. And there's a lot of them. And every one of them not only comes with an adventure, but with a map and little paper minis to print out and I cut. I remember those. Yes. Yeah, you printed those out. Yeah, that was Tara cool. spent way too long gluing those little <laughs> things together that kept falling over because there was an overhead fan. Um, it was awesome though oh it absolutely was i'm and sure the boys loved it too they, they did and so you you can get these pretty pretty cheap yeah um i i don't have the the, the writer's name of it but it's uh, made by a company called hero forge games uh and i genuinely cannot recommend this game enough it yeah. is so good i mean like what, what would be the age group that you would say would be like most ideal for that um like in my head the like Nine or ten is like a good time, in my opinion, to start getting kids into D and D. Yeah, I know people do it younger. That's just what I've seen. That's what I decided to do with my nephews. So pretty much anything below that, like probably like seven to four to seven, is a good age range for mm-hmm. this. Um, and you know, eight might start losing some interest and maybe going to D and D there. But I, I'd say like around there. Yeah. So like before 10. When they have enough creative juices to like really exactly want to stretch them out. And this is like a great way to do that because I mean like they came up with a ton of stuff on their own. Yep. Thunder Lightning Tornado. That was a name by the that way. That was a name. That's a name. Yep. And I love it. Oh I, I do too. I'm going <laughs> to frame that character sheet for him when he's older. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so if you are looking for a game to play with your youngins, uh, check out Hero Kids on Drive Through RPG. Um, maybe tell them we sent you. I don't know. I don't think they'll care. <laughs> but go check it out, anyways. For sure. 
Allie, what's our second topic? Well, our second topic is going to be playing with kids. Um, I'm talking about playing with kids both age nine to essentially preteen to like mm. 13 year yeah. olds. Because if you're like 16, I wouldn't really consider you a kid at that point. You're you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. You're you understand what you want from this game at that point and who you are as a character and all that. But I'm talking about playing with kids. And I've seen a lot on Twitter and everywhere that people have some slight problems like playing with kids and figuring out how to do that with D&D. And considering who we are as uh, DMs and players, I think we actually have some decent amount of experience with that kind Mm -hmm. of situation. We do play... We run games at a bookstore where there are several age groups involved. Several. um, (laughs) Involving from preteens to... I think the youngest I had was like a Mm -hmm. 10-year-old. Two of them in one game. And ranging from like that little before they're even 10 years old to uh, the preteens where they just want to like blow stuff up with fireball. Yep. So like teenagers who are like, oh, I know what my character is. They're edgelord. And yeah, my to... family was murdered and now I'm on the revenge path for them. Yeah. And my voice is always gravelly. <laughs> and then you have like the people who are closer to like my age where they're like mid-20s. They're like, oh, no, I know how to play the game. I'm just here to have fun. And then you've got, you know, even goes further. Mm-hmm. But what we want to focus on is the preteen and kind of before age group that we want to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would you think about splitting this into like two parts, like DMing for kids and then being a player with kids? Definitely. I would love that. Um, so you, you DM'd for kids. What would you say is something that you, you should be thinking about when doing so? Um, something that I, somebody to consider when you're DMing for kids is the amount of imagination they can have when playing. Yes. Because they <laughs> they will bring to the table things you would never even consider. I have a pet pterodactyl and he's in my pocket and he also has a wand of wonder. <laughs> and you know what? If it's cool, why not? Yeah. Because that's kind of the approach you should take with these kids. You don't the last thing you want to do is stifle that. I I want one of the notes that I wrote down was say yes more than no. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the concept of improv, right? Yes, yes. and. And so you should really take that into consideration uh flex your dm muscle and the fact of don't say no say be more open to things well like i i think you still do have to say no at times oh yeah because there's the kid that's like 100%. can i have a lightsaber no <laughs> but the 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 thing <laughs> just a little soft though no no no, no honey no <laughs> um but what i think what i found for me the best way to do is to tell them no in the game yeah. And find If you a, give them a reason where they understand it. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's not me saying no to you. It's it's like the in-world game story we're telling mm-hmm. is not that. And so you can find a way, maybe an NPC, maybe an event or something that shows the kid they're like, "Okay, you don't you're you're not going to have that." Yeah. But here's here's another shiny thing. Mhm. Exactly. I mean, my best advice is don't stifle the imagination. Like yes. if they say that, something that I do a lot when I sit down at the table, I say, hey, I'm your DM. Mm-hmm. If you've never played before, treat it like an action scene in a movie. Tell me what you want to do. And then I'll be the rules person to tell you how you can do it. Yeah. Because the number one thing that I think a lot of adults or even teenagers get hung up on is the fact like, well, oh, I want to do this cool thing, but I just can't. Yeah. 
Whereas kids, they don't have any care for that. They're like, oh no, I'm going to do this backflip Mario wall jump into this person and stab him in the back. Times I've heard Naruto referenced at the bookstore. Hey, have you heard of this anime called Naruto? Yeah. yeah. It's the start of so many sentences. Yes, <laughs> I know. And if the kid wants to be an anime protagonist, no. Yeah. If you can figure it out as a DM, how? Let them. Because mm-hmm. it would be, it brings so much more fun to let that happen than to not. Yeah. I mean, the only really exception is if that one kid is being the only anime protagonist and they're taking <laughs> up the entire time. Then that's when you should probably figure out a balance, but... Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, one of the things you're going to run into with kids more than adults is the vast difference between players. Yeah. You're going to have the kid that wants to anime run everywhere yes. and won't stop anime running everywhere <laughs> in-game and out. But you also have the kid that is just kind of sitting off quiet and not talking a lot and kind of looks shy around everyone mm-hmm. to uh, the the person that is just trying to murder everyone. <laughs> Please yes. stop doing that. Yes. <laughs> um, but it you the, the thing with... The DMing for kids in that regard is you need to try and find a way to engage each of them at some point where instead of saying to the group, what do you do? You turn to that shy kid like, what what are you going to do here? Mm -hmm. And you, you engage them into the story if they're not going to, and they probably want to They're They came to the game. They're going to want to play. Yeah. And they might just be too shy to and around people they may not know. So if you can engage them in some way like that, like that, I I had a kid that was like that. And from the first session to the last time I played with him, he went from shy to he became an ancient bronze dragon. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you know, that's. I still can't believe Garrett did that, but it was so good. It was so good. (laughs) And that kid was so freaking happy and would not stop talking about it. And like, oh, complete change in Mm -hmm. attitude between those games yeah and this is of course kind of referring to kids that you're not necessarily familiar with or like yeah but when it comes to this can be too like you could still be at a table with your own kids and one of them starts being shy about it and you wouldn't even know that was a thing until they start playing yeah yeah Uh, and and so don't if if it's your kid and they start doing that and they're acting different from normal don't freak out about them like oh no they hate this game Engage them. Try and get them into the game. Yeah, we talked about skill checks. Like, yeah. Last episode. Yeah. Use skill checks. They're the easiest, simplest thing to get characters engaged, like players engaged into the game. And rolling a d20 and adding numbers up is the easiest thing for a young kid to do, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much thought put into it to where they have to, like, think, like, oh, what what's my strategy here? It's like you're asking them for a perception check. And then they roll it and they tell you. And then you can tell them what their specific character yes. hears or sees. And, like, getting kids engaged in that way is super easy through skill checks. Go, going back a little bit to what you're saying, though, about don't stifle the imagination. Mm-hmm. Reward it. Yes. Not not just let it happen, reward it. And then this is a big thing where inspiration comes through, the thing that you and I have admittedly been very bad We're about. We're terrible. The, the worst. <laughs> uh, I should just start giving out the beginning of the game, like, action points from 4th edition. Um, <laughs> but... You know, you can reward them with inspiration or other ways of doing it or just making the, taking their idea and making it grander and them going, oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, and I think doing that, if, especially if it's a kid who's never been into RPGs before, you're not quite giving them a false 
sense of what it is because that's your that can be your DMing style if mm-hmm. that is how you are. If you are just in the business of being a DM and saying no all the time, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like it, I, I think doing that is a good way to get kids specifically into it. Yes. Because like if I did that with adults where I just like made a crazy idea even crazier, they're probably like, oh, this is a weird game. Why are you just letting everything happen? Yeah, exactly. Which I get. I get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You want, uh, namely adults, like we want dramatic stuff to happen too but kids they just want to be cool yeah that's the key part yeah and like i mean harking back to what i was saying with the youngest kids i dm'd for was probably nine and ten years old Mm -hmm. they it was a twin brother and sister one of them was a fighter one of them was a ranger and we were going through this dungeon and there's like these barbarians involved and one of the chief has like this pet dragon it's a baby baby wormling dragon on his shoulder the ranger's like I'm getting that dragon. <laughs> and so the entire encounter, she chased around the chief who was just trying to run away at this point, And she offered the baby dragon everything in her bag. <laughs> and the dragon looked down, looked at her, looked down and breath weapon his master. And it was like, and she's like animal handling check. And she got like more than 13. I'm like, yeah, the dragon likes you. Nice. <laughs> and you know what? And she just, that was her idea. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to get that baby wormling. And that's that going to be that mine. Was her first game? That was her first oh game. Oh my God, that's so good. I love that. It was amazing. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to say, no, I shouldn't give the players a baby dragon wormling. Yeah. That's, that's no. I mean, it's a one shot with the hell care. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying not to swear the whole time. <laughs> kids, don't, don't say bad words, kids. Um, <laughs> so the, the other thing that I, I want to say is, and a little bit more of a serious side of it, is consider these games as learning experiences not just of how D &D and role-playing games work but of social interaction it's very important yeah Yeah. like and again it's not even with people at the table like if you have a kid who and i've seen this where like they are shy and then as soon as they get into the game completely won't stop talking to any NPC and, like, has the social skills of, like, you know, mm-hmm. the the best social person. Yeah. I don't know what to say for that. Um, and... Like a real-life bard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you can use these RPG games, it doesn't necessarily have to be D&D, of, like, teaching kids how to act in society. Yeah. Because this is the place where they can do that without harsh repercussions harsh consequences yeah. there should still be consequences like if i have a kid in my game who's going to start trying to light the whole camp on fire all of the guards that were traveling with them are going to arrest him and you know what? and he'll learn that but in real life he won't be arrested and yeah. it's gonna be great yeah <laughs> and so because like i i have i've had kids who are just wanting to do everything and mess everything up and, you know, just break whatever they can find. And about nine times out of ten, I have something bad happen because they did that. Mm -hmm. They did that in... They're in Halaster's room and one kid decides that he's going to swing his sword at a statue of Halaster. Oh, no. Well, it had a hellish rebuke spell on it, and oh. he lost over half his hit points. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and he he didn't hit that statue again. No. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's a great learning experience, too, because it's that whole concept of, like, oh, well, the kid's bringing a penny to the socket. Uh, he'll learn. <laughs> let, 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 him, let him learn. <laughs> Except it's without the harshness of the real world consequences yeah, and losing your eyebrows <laughs> yeah <laughs> um the uh the like the other but 
in talking to people. Like if you have a kid who you're, you know, you have, you're having an NPC talk to them and they give you some ridiculous, possibly perverted response and you just have the NPC react and like, why would you say that? That's, that's a terrible thing to say. React and, realistically. Yeah. And they, and they have that moment of just like, what? I thought I could just do whatever I want. This game's like, yes, you can do whatever you want, but there are consequences for that. Yes. And it's not just you get to do whatever you want and nothing bad happens. Yeah. And that is a life lesson. Yes, you can do whatever you want in life. Some bad stuff might happen, though. Exactly. And I mean, like, and this pops up to within the party itself, too. Yes. Because, I mean, I had... Two, at my last bookstore game, I had two preteens who were playing. It's like he was set, he sat down at the table. He's like, "Okay, I have a question for you." I'm like, "Yes, I want to play an evil character." And immediately I was like, "Oh no!" But he was like, "However, I also respect the party and all the people in it." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, you know what? As long as there's no inter-party fighting." I'm okay with you yes. doing that. He's like, as long as everyone understands that I'm going to be a little more like, you know, harsh with certain enemies, then I'll be fine. I'm like, I think we get that. But then there was another one who was sitting right to his left. And right he, to his left. Yeah. And he <laughs> said, well, my right. I know. And he's, he didn't mention that he was evil character. And all of a sudden he's like, oh no, I'm a wanty. I hate everything. <laughs> And it's like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, I'm shooting every bunny that we come across. I am destroying everything. And I am rude to all the players. And everyone by the end of the session was like, no, we don't care if you live, dude. And he's like there and he's thinking, no, that's a good point. And he'd made the decision to go off on a different adventure by himself because he's like, no, nah, that character's done. He's not going to hang around with that party anymore. Yeah. And he, like, he picked up on the social cues of this probably wasn't the right choice to go. And I think that was a great experience for him, even though it kind of made for a wonky DMing night for me. Mm -hmm. I think it was good for him to kind of see that. Yeah. That's because I, I, I heard that story before, mm -hmm. but I hadn't heard like the part with the party being like, we don't really care if you like survive. <laughs> yeah. And so like, yeah, that is that right there is, you didn't even do that. That was just a social interaction that happened yeah. that that kid is probably going to remember and yeah. take on with them. Like the bard had a choice. Save the goblin rogue or save the wantee that was just being a jerk the whole time. Yeah. And he made the choice. <laughs> so you, you have any other thing about DM-wise for kids? Yes, okay. actually. Um, monsters. Okay. When you're DMing, especially if you're not running straight from a book, I would say just... Be careful about what monsters you choose to go through. Like, for example, this week's theme for our bookstore game, we're doing Volo's Guide. Mm -hmm. In Volo's Guide, there are a ton of devils and demons and spooky, spooky things in there that aren't really children appropriate. Mm -hmm. And the DMG and, and not the, the monster manual has a lot of opportunities for inappropriate monsters. Yes. And I think... It might go without saying, like, oh, you you should just totally avoid the crazy demon that eats people alive through yeah. their rib cage. Maybe that's like <laughs> should go without saying, but I think it should still be said. Yeah, it, it that shouldn't be an unwritten rule. That should be a written rule. <laughs> yeah. Remember that you are DMing for kids. Yeah. You're not. You're there for them to have a fun time, not cause them nightmare feel. Exactly, and I mean. 
one of the first weeks that I started DMing with you at the bookstore, you said like, oh, I'm just going to run this pirate adventure and they're going to be cool pirate wizards. And in the end, the kids would love that Mm -hmm. because we mentioned it before. It's cool. Yeah. Like pirates yeah. versus ninjas have always been a cool concept since like the beginning oh, of the two thousands. Thrown ninjas in there. That would have been cool. See? And like and imagine like a whole party of monks versus suddenly <laughs> pirates come out of nowhere. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna write this down. <laughs> <laughs> and consider the monster options and yeah. in that the encounter options when you're playing with kids because a lot of things aren't appropriate for kids. Uh, but would be appropriate for, like, an adult party. Yeah. Like, an adult party wouldn't really bat an eye at, like... Well, well you say that, but, like, I I did a Starfinder game for you guys, and I found stats online for the Xenomorph from Alien. And I just thought that was going to be a fun thing to do. And then Dusty looks at me and goes, I'm legit terrified right now. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that was not my goal, even though this was supposed to be aliens, which I guess I should have <laughs> thought about. So, even though, like, you might see it as just a cool monster, yeah. that might be terrifying for a nine-year-old, and you're really making me rethink the game that I wrote out, because <laughs> I chose Beholders. <laughs> and it's, hmm. it, it's something to consider when you're DMing for kids, is how you're building the encounter, and, like, even the setting, too. Yes. Like, if it's a spooky dungeon that's, like, straight up like torture dungeon yeah. maybe veer off of would that would I love to run Ravenloft at the bookstore yeah I'd love to run Ravenloft but should every day. you but no no I shouldn't yeah that would be terrible there's yeah. a whole room of blood <laughs> yeah I mean like consider everything that the murder house is yeah don't do that well like um <laughs> but before you started working there we ran Mad Mage's dungeon mm-hmm. and we did amend a lot of things except yeah. for the room of skulls because I thought that was hilarious and so did my table yeah no we all <laughs> we thought it was great oh yeah you were playing it though yeah yeah. yeah. we were like this the skulls come clattering out like like straight out of zubumafu's closet yeah yeah <laughs> they just keep rolling oh, but God. yeah that's that's all i have to say as far as like building encounters just be weary and think of what would be appropriate for the kids at your table when choosing the monsters and setting I, I wholeheartedly agree on that because mm-hmm. you're really making me rethink what I wrote. <laughs> uh, but let's go on to being a player with other kids at the table. Yes, which is a very much a whole entire different topic. <laughs> it, it really is. And, and like, even though we just got done saying, remember that they're kids, you need to remember that they're kids in a whole other way. Yeah. Like... You, you can't get irritated when they do something crazy because mm-hmm. they're kids they're yeah. gonna do crazy stuff yeah <laughs> this isn't gonna be your normal party that sits there and talks about everything before they go in some kid is going to leroy jenkins it kids if you're listening leroy jenkins just, remember it just google it <laughs> uh, um and you, you just have to kind of accept that mm-hmm. like when we played hero kids with my nephews tara played a character but she was playing their babysitter <laughs> and I'll be honest, Tara didn't do a lot in that game because she was just kind of sitting back and letting them do it. And then she would come in and do stuff. Um, And I feel like that's kind of an important thing to remember is to let the kids have the limelight. They're going to want it. Trust me, they're going to be going after it. Yeah. Let them have it. You can still do your cool things and have fun playing the game. But you got to remember that you're playing with kids. (laughs) And I think it'll come naturally for them to want to engage with your cool character. 
Especially if you do make a cool character. Yeah. If you sit there and make a brooding character that wants to be the lone wolf, they're not going to really engage with you. I don't know. I feel like if you made Aragorn like and just had him in there, every kid would just be like, well, why is he? He's, he's cool. What is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it would take him a while to get into that, though. Because, like, if you if you straight up made the very, like, oh, flamboyant, crazy character rogue who, mm-hmm. like, is a swashbuckler pirate with a f- hat three feet tall, they'll be like, oh, I'm either cooler than them or I want to be cool with them. That is true. That is true. Whereas, like, if you're playing a home game, like, with your kids or something, and you are playing the Aragorn, like, stereotype, and you're like, oh, I'm the Lone Ranger, and you're smoking a pipe, mm-hmm. and you're like, and the kids are like, oh, why do we trust him? Oh, maybe that's <laughs> a good point. Good time to interject real quick. Maybe don't have a lot of alcohol and smoking in it. <laughs> Again, setting and encounter building yeah, and monsters yeah, yeah I, setting. I, like at the bookstore i've had it set in taverns have not said what was going on there but yeah. i've had it set there maybe don't have alcohol and smoking in it yeah it's it it's definitely something that can easily be avoided mm-hmm. like you just kind of have to slightly remind yourself as you're talking that uh, adjust your language a little bit but yeah like j- just also keep thinking of like could this be a saturday morning cartoon Oh, it doesn't have to be outlined like one, but just what would be appropriate for a Saturday morning cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> and again, they did get away with a lot. Um, sorry, you you were you were talking though about the the characters, like you yeah. making a cool character. And uh, I think being an adult playing with kids, it's you can make your own character. You could have that twelve page mm-hmm. backstory. You could do all that that you want, but whether or not the kids want to engage with it almost depends on your actions yes. as that character. Yes. If you try to take the limelight from them immediately, they will instantly not like playing with that character. Resentment. Resentment is a huge thing that will factor in. And so I recommend kind of almost, in a weird way, taking the high road and just kind of letting them do the thing. Mm-hmm. And then every now and then just kind of chiming in with, I can do this. Yeah. And they'll be like, whoa, yeah, do that. And they'll be like, and they'll really be excited about your character. And I will say at first, they're probably not going to. Yeah. Like, they're not going to ask you who your character is, most likely. And But that can lead to some cool moments where, like, I've had some at the bookstore game where there's an adult there. No one asked him about his character. And they're like, oh, we need to start a fire. And he just walks in and is like, I use a prestidigitation or something like the fire. And and they're like, what? Oh, cool. You can do magic? (laughs) And they instantly start being interested in what the character is. Kind of let it happen naturally. Like, don't... They are kids. And don't try to force your character on them because that's what they're doing to you inadvertently. Mm-hmm. Um, without realizing it, that's what they're doing. Yes. And th- uh, they're I, just so excited to play their character. Well, I Oh, yeah. And you and I know that because what is the first thing any of those kids say when they sit down at our table? Mm-hmm. Immediately start info dumping all of their backstory on us. That's why I kind of <laughs> have this practice of when we all are finally at the table, I sit down and I say, okay, here's an example introduction. I am Cassie, I'm a bard, I'm a human, and I like blank. It's like, I like to write my own music. Oh. And then I go around and I have everyone kind of just briefly say their name and one thing about them, and everyone kind of has like, okay, so that way it doesn't take away from each other player, mm-hmm. but it also lets each other player understand who they are and me as the DM to write down each person's name. I'm starting to think you're a lot better at this than me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a Virgo and I'm a little more organized, I think. <laughs> But it's, it's pretty playing with them. Yeah, the kids will want to take the limelight. And sometimes as, as the adult in the room, so to speak, you should let them. At yeah. least at first. 
That being said, though, there are going to be the kids that are going after the limelight in the wrong way. Yes. And the the, the thing that uh, I really want to try and stress to people is if you get irritated with a kid at the table, that is acceptable. That's fine. People get irritated with kids it's all natural. the time. But <laughs> for the love of God, do not do anything that is going to like push them away from this game. Oh, please don't. Yes. Don't don't like scold them, ridicule them at the table or anything like that that is going to put D&D into a bad spot in their mind. Never call a kid stupid for a de- decision they're making in game. Yeah, no. No, just don't call a kid stupid. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't be a bad adult. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. That yeah. It's being a bad adult because and, it's it's stifling. That's yeah, exactly and what it and is. and I understand not everybody one likes kids. Mm-hmm. I also understand that not everyone is good with kids even if they do like kids. But really try not to do anything that is going to push them away from this hobby because that's the great thing about it is that a lot of people today, people that are older than us that, you know, tell us stuff about the game, they started playing when they were kids. Yeah. And if they didn't, this game wouldn't exist. So it is about (laughs) the kids. Like, these kids need to get into this so that our hobby that we love, especially with D&D, can persist. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... That's something else. Like, you as the adult, you have the opportunity to provide these kids with an experience that they're going to walk away from with just hopefully high understanding and just, like, they're going to be super happy coming away from it. And that's something that I take pride in from the bookstore is that seeing these pretends that are coming in, like, saying, oh, my DM would never allow this. Mm-hmm. And I just kinda, I always love what I, I hear. I pause that. and I hear, yeah. I know they wouldn't. <laughs> this is what I would do, though. And so I, I pride myself on giving them an, another opportunity to see the game in a different light. Yeah. Because this game is amazing, and it's beautiful, and it's so diverse, and the kids can pretty much do what they would want to do. And being able to provide that for them as the adult in this situation is awesome. Whether mm-hmm. you're a player or a DM, I think that's such a cool feeling to be able to give them something that they normally wouldn't have. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. L- last thing I think we should touch on is problem kids. Yes. Now, if these are your kids, I'm not going to tell you what to do when your kids are being <laughs> your kids. Uh, yeah. You you know what to do. You're fine. Uh, and if you are going to Adventure League with your kids and stuff like that, I do think that's a really good thing. If you don't play D&D and you're listening to this, though, I... I Weird crossover, but, you know, if you don't, I really endorse going to these things with your kids and sitting, if not at the table playing, nearby, because your kids are different <laughs> when yeah. they're when you're there. Um, I know this from experience. I've had a kid where his dad was playing, and then I he was there when his dad wasn't there, and it was very different. Very different kid. And... Um, it, uh, and it, not in a bad way. I, I'm not, I'm going to read it in case dad listen to this. Your, your kid's not doing anything bad. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but it, it is, um, sometimes it can help when kids are more, you know, they're acting up more. It is better if their parents there. Um, but the DM might talk to you about that. Uh, now, if these aren't your kids, if you are running Adventure League, you're playing Adventure League, or you're at a bookstore like us, if a kid is doing something that is massively disruptive for the whole table, yeah. if you're a player, hopefully your DM is doing something about it. Mm-hmm. If they're not, take the DM aside and talk to them about it. Don't do this at the table. Yeah. Um, let, if it's going to happen at the table, let the DM handle it. Because we mentioned don't call a kid stupid. This is essentially like the social 
equivalent. Yes. Like, if you call a kid out. Yes. Single-handedly, just alone, pointing at them, saying, don't do that. All of a sudden, he feels like all fingers are pointed at him, and he'll just shut down. Yeah. Well, sometimes, or it just makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. That, either way, both situations are not helpful. Yeah. But if... Now, if you're the DM on this one, it really, like, we gave that advice uh, to Courtney uh, a while ago about problem players, is you might just have to ask them to leave the table. Yeah. And it sucks. In the end, you are the adult in this situation. (laughs) You are. And so if it's getting to the point where it is impeding other people's enjoyment of the game and possibly someone's introduction to the game it is better to have that person step away for one game than to ruin everyone else's night and possibly future in this hobby yeah now if you're a player and your dm's a kid (laughs) i thought about this today i was like okay i got this out there if you're at a table full of kids and your dm's a kid and the whole table is a mess just walk away just 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 be like you know what I'm good. I'm, I'm going to go. If they ask you why, you can be nicely honest and be yeah. like, this table isn't a fit for me. I'm not. Be truthful. Be truthful about it, but not like the harsh, like, it's because of this kid here. <laughs> he didn't do the thing that I suggested. Again, take the adult route. Yeah. Take the adult route. <laughs> be an adult. <laughs> um, and just walk away. It's yeah. fine. You're an adult. You can handle, you can go somewhere else and play. And if it's your own kid, if you're sitting down at a table where it's your kids and their friends and you're the adult, so to speak, quote, supervising the yeah. situation, which one, I always would love for parents to play with their kids. Yes. Because that's just so much more fun yes. than just letting them be on their own. My, the, my, my favorite parents at the bookstore are people that play. Yes. Um, because it's not just the fact that we have a shared com- uh, hobby in common. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's the interest that they have for their kids' stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I have, I've seen some parents who, like, their kid runs up to them and tells them all the stuff that they just did. They're like, yeah, that's fine. Let's just go. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on. Listen, like, he's telling you a cool thing. Yeah. Like, I They're was like, there. It was Okay, neat. cool, but what time am I picking you up? It's like, yes, uh, yes. Just listen to them for a second. They're telling you about this cool story that they yeah. helped write. And, and now, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I understand. You have to hear this kid all the time. <laughs> Not all their stories are cool. But, like, it, when it comes to this game, look into it. At yeah. least sit down at Adventurely or at a bookstore game or yeah. whatever. I think that'd be great. Because it is a much more rewarding experience than just simply playing a video game. You are building a social situation. You are building a strategic encounter. And these kids are doing a lot more than just rolling some dice. And being able to hear what came out of just rolling some dice is really cool to some kids. Especially, like, my... My parents, for example, they are really interested and excited about what happens with my games, even though they never played D&D mm-hmm. before. They have no idea how it works. My mom just said, hey, you hope you win D&D. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, mom, I love you. <laughs> but I got to tell her today, like, well, this is kind of what D&D is about. And she's like, oh, well, that makes so much more sense now. Mm-hmm. And so, And she got really excited about the top. It just kind of warmed my heart yeah. about how much my parent is involved with the hobbies that I love. Yeah. And it doesn't dissuade me from continuing this really creative outlet. Yeah. And and that's what it is. It is a creative outlet. It's a huge creative even outlet. For, even if you're being a problem child, it's still a creative outlet. <laughs> it is. And, I mean, just to kind of go back, it's like if you're DMing, 
it's a creative outlet. Mm-hmm. And these kids, they're saying like, oh, I want to be this crazy person that does like fireball and they do like these crazy moves. And in a normal adult game, you'd be like, ah, uh, rules. But if they're saying, yeah, and you're thinking, why not? Then why not? Because it is a creative outlet and it, it's good for kids to play D&D. That's pretty much what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think if there's one thing that this episode is for is it is good for kids to play D&D. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got anything else on that topic? Not that I can think of. No, I'm good. All right, let's let's uh, let's move in. Uh, we're, get, we're going a little long here, but let's uh, move into some listener questions. Yeah. Uh, we actually got quite a few of them today, uh, but only from two people. Um, so, uh, Aaron wrote in, uh, Aaron, uh, found us because, uh, uh Puff and Forrest uh, retweeted us. <laughs> Puff Forrest, you're listening. Thanks for that retweet. You're nice. awesome. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, Aaron and I have talked a, a little bit. I, uh, but, uh, they asked a question of how we're going to handle, uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh. And I'm also going to loop in Tales of the Yawning Portland because they're very similar books. Yeah. What they want to know is, uh, how spoilery are we going to get? Uh, they're interested in hearing if they're fun adventures, but, uh, they don't want to, they don't want to be spoiled on plot elements. Mm -hmm. Now we haven't really talked about this, but personally, I feel like those ones are going to be a lot different from our normal reviews. Yeah. Like it's mostly going to be like, is this fun? Yeah. Um, the most spoiler I think we're going to get is just naming the adventures in them. Probably, yeah, because we don't really need to get into the exact no. what happens in the adventures. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, we can say vaguely, this was cool, I like this, but I don't feel like those are necessarily ones that we have to do a deep dive into everything yeah. about. I mean, like, probably broadest terms would be like, yeah, this was just a big dungeon crawl. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, uh, this was just three months on the, on the open ocean. It's like, that's probably how a spoiler is that we would get. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like... I, I, think we're still going to do a uh, uh a spoiler free part where it's just like we liked it or, <laughs> we didn't like it and yeah. that's all it's really gonna be because <laughs> after that like we'll just talk more vaguely but having names in it yeah um so yeah we don't know quite when we're gonna do those we don't really know when the next review is gonna happen but you know the, keep, keep an eye out yeah uh the other question from aaron uh is uh their original question is oh where is it Aaron, you're awesome. You you, you also write novels. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it. Massively appreciate it. When I saw this email, I'm like, oh my god, this are, is so cool. Are you also the type of person that writes a 13-page backstory? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Hopefully they are. Um, but basically, uh, the, the question was uh, metal dice versus plastic dice. Um, and... Oh, in terms of question, uh, someone might have, what are your stance on metal dice versus plastic dice? Do you prefer one over the other for better roll outcomes and longevity? If someone was uh, sure they were going to play the game for a month at least, would you recommend uh, one more over the other for longevity? <laughs> oh, they also asked for some good sites and stuff. So um, we use both of those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, personally for me, I love metal dice. Yes. Uh, ever since I learned about air bubbles in plastic dice, I have a real hard trust issue with them. I know, I know. Um, I will say there is a difference. Uh, it used to be that metal dice were like 40 bucks and up. But yeah. now you can go on Amazon and find metal dice for like 20, 25 bucks. Amazon is probably the best one. You just look up enamel dice. 
and enamel metal dice. You get yeah, super pretty dice mm-hmm. for like twenty bucks. And you can like really match a character. Like oh, oh, yeah. a bard can get a royal purple and a gold colored dice. This dude over here. <laughs> and it, you can get so many cool dice. But then also kind of keep an eye on the reviews because I was gifted this really cool metal set, and it was my first metal dice. However, after playing with them for three plus years, they now have a ton of chips on them. My friend who has the same uh, brand of metal dice, her D20 is like barely (laughs) the same amount of coating on it. Definitely look at the reviews, but if you're just rolling in a dice box, I think for the most part they should be good. Though I know that you guys were rolling those in dice boxes and they still ended up like that. Yes. Um, I will say... um, if you are going to go the metal dice route, definitely get a dice box. Yeah, with the foam insert. Yeah, because those things are clunky and loud. Yes. And they will shake the table and your minis will move and it will be like, oh, that felt good. But at the same time, you're kind of disrupting the whole entire thing. <laughs> if you're over at your buddy's house and they have a really nice wood table and you're rolling a giant metal D20, you're yeah. going to get some dirty looks. They're going to, it's, it's going to fall on the table and it's going to dent the floor. Yes. So. <laughs> I feel so bad every time we drop it on Ike's floor. <laughs> so get advice, invest in a dice box. Uh, they don't have to be expensive. Uh, there are also some cheap ones on yes. Amazon for like 10 bucks or less. And they're like little folding ones. It's neat. But now, that's metal dice. <laughs> now, now, I will say though, I still do have plastic dice. Mm-hmm. and But I'm very particular about it. Yeah. The ones that Wizards have made, I've loved every set. Yeah, no, the truly. The Tomb of Annihilation, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and Ravnica are three of the best plastic dice sets I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what Trevor mentioned earlier is that dice sets, they're, they're resin, essentially. Mm-hmm. They have a chance of having air bubbles in yes. them. And if you get clear dice, you can very much see if there's any in there. Well, it, and that's good, but there is a test you can do with yeah. water and salt to see how balanced they are. I put one of my plastic dice in there, one of them I was using religiously, mm-hmm. and it kept coming up one. Yeah. Not even just like four or anything literally the worst number on the die so if you feel like your dice hate you constantly or maybe you have a lucky quote dice check it out maybe put a bit of salt in some water and see what happens and that is the good thing about the metal ones is that because they're solid metal you're gonna you're gonna have a better roll on it yeah not just that nice little like but then I said I didn't make a sound I don't know I just pushed air through my mouth I messed that <laughs> up um, but you're gonna have a you're gonna have a better yeah. experience with the metal dice they're just a little more expensive and the D4 is a literal caltrop yeah um, all I would say is that if you're just playing for like if you're trying to get your friends into playing the game just get like a six dollar set of Chessex yes. dice yes and give them to your friend and be like here's your new first set of dice yes. they will cherish that set of dice forever mm-hmm. let me just tell you that um, meanwhile I'm over here like oh I made a new character I have to have new metal dice set exactly um if you're starting the game and you want to like play an adventures league barnes and noble sells these five dollar sets of dice that's like super nice and they're really cool looking and they're the cheapest dice i find out there um as far as what i personally prefer of course i have three sets of metal dice that i use (laughs) each game i bust them out i have a little tray that i use and I, i set them up i would never personally now that i have three sets roll both plastic and metal together no that feels like the worst it It feels feels so so unweighted and it feels so unbalanced but at the same time 
I don't like rolling two metal dice at the same time because I feel like they're chipping into each other. Oh, yeah. Like, every time I pick up two D20, metal D, or, yeah, whenever I pick up two metal D20s and I roll them together and I hear them, I'm like, oh, you're chipping off paint. Don't stop. Oh, don't stop. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and meanwhile, here I am, like, I'm playing a giant and I'm DMing for these guys and I'm rolling three D12s as the attack. And they're all, like, hearing it and they're like, oh, no. That is true. <laughs> that is true. And I roll it and you just hear the clunk, 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 clunk on the, and it's it's such a cool feeling but with plastic it's such a freeing feeling in that mm-hmm. sense where it's like they're lightweight yep. so they feel nice in your hand when you're and you still get the clickety clack <laughs> but this is just kind of going into being a you know dice goblin and yes. loving the, the minute properties <laughs> the of it that's the second time for dice goblin <laughs> somebody on twitter is like this is why my boyfriend calls me a dice goblin <laughs> Um, the next, uh, uh, listener mail we've got is from Dallas. Uh, he, he repeat contributor. Uh, Thanks, Dallas. now I, I will say this, um, this question has very light spoilers for Lost Minds of Fendelver. If you've listened to the adventure series, you're not getting any spoilers. <laughs> uh, question, uh, light spoilers for Lost Mind of Fendelver. When my, uh, so by the way, before this. He played. He DM'd his first game of D&D last night. Congratulations. Yes, congrats, Dallas. I'm so proud of you. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he he, uh, he said, when my party came up on the goblin ambush, one, uh, one rolled a natural 20 perception check on the first check I ever called for her before. Beautiful. <clears throat> um, I gave them the ability to see the goblins before they had a chance to ambush them. Do you think I allocated the information correctly? Should I have given them less information? What would you have done? You 100% did it right. Yeah. Yeah. They rolled a nat 20. Like, you got to keep in mind, in checks, a nat 20 does not mean an auto success. But a level one player rolled a 20 with possibly, like, what, 22 total? Yeah. Yeah. No, they saw him. That's fine. Especially if the DC is usually, especially at level one, like an 8 to 12. Yes. Then, yeah, no, if they're rolling a 20, unless they have a crazy negative reason, then, yeah, they're going to see something. And what a cool start to a game. That is. That's a fantastic <laughs> start. Like, that, don't don't feel bad about that at all. Like, I guarantee you that player feels awesome about yeah. that. And but, just never feel like it's you versus them to where it's like, oh, I didn't really want them to see that. Then. Uh, uh, here's a good example. Um, uh, when my players got to Cholt, I had somebody talking to them, and I realized I totally gave them information that I should have, if I had held on to, would have been a great twist. Mm-hmm. And I beat myself up about it for a day and went, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, just keep yeah. going, whatever. Yeah. And so Dallas, you you did you did the right thing. Yeah. You're, you're good. You're and doing your great. players are now the players that saw the ambush before it happened. It is true. I've yet to actually have that happen. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Good on them. <laughs> uh, the last question from Dallas is, where do you get that extremely awesome opening theme song to your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, if any of you listened to Dungeon Driver before, for a long time, I had really terrible, like, guitar, like, free use music yeah, going on. It's, it's fr- yeah. Um, and I, uh, I wrote five notes. I did, I did that. I wrote, I did that on GarageBand. I went, cool. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> and luckily for me, I was friends with JE of the We Are Not Game Devs podcast. Again, if you haven't listened to them, go listen to it. It's a really entertaining show where Very they make up a game that doesn't exist and will never exist, but it's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, JE, uh, he does the music for 
uh, their podcast. So he was like, hey, do you want some help? And I'm, oh, my God. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I sent him the notes. And, like, the same day, he sent me back three tracks. Oh. Two of those are our, uh, our opener and our closer. And then the other one is uh, I maybe use at some other point. But, yeah, like the same day. And he's like, so what do you think? He's like, these are perfect. He didn't think I was going to do that either. So, uh, yeah, J.E., uh, you can find him uh, on Twitter at, uh, at PoundJE. And uh, go go give him some love and appreciation for the, the intro that I still love. <laughs> uh, you got anything else? I think that's it for me. All right. Well, that was our show for this week. Yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support us, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on whatever service you may be listening to us on currently. Uh, also, telling your friends, not a bad thing either. Uh, if you would l- uh, like your question, advice, or stories read on the show, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you would like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class or on Instagram at Difficulty Podcast. So, till next week, don't get killed by a flump, which would be really hard and really embarrassing for you. Mm-hmm.